if you don't need to feel like you're perfect, then you're going to be okay with ruining it and messing it up and screwing your kids up. And that then allows you to actually be more compassionate with yourself and compassionate with your children and therefore less stressed out. And then you'll automatically mess up less. I know you're doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. For the parent who just wants their child to be happy, this episode is for you. When I told my daughter that I just needed five minutes before I could rub her back at bedtime, she screamed at me. And what I did next was not my best moment. I could feel it just coming over me. And I screamed back at her. I know so many parents get to this point, the exhaustion, the overwhelm, the demands being pulled in so many directions. We end up raising our voice, showing up not aligned how we want to, and maybe even slipping into shame. The following day from that event with my daughter, I got to sit with Dr. Shefali for this episode. Dr. Shefali is an acclaimed author, international speaker, and clinical psychologist. Specializing in the integration of Western psychology and Eastern philosophy, she brings together the best of both worlds in her work. She is an expert in family dynamics and personal development, teaching courses around the globe. She has written four books, three of which are New York Times bestsellers, including the two on my shelves, The Conscious Parent and The Awakened Family. To the parent listening... I want you to know that I see you. I know you're going to get so much out of this episode. Dr. Shivali, thank you so much for joining me here today. I'm so happy to be with you, Tracy. I like to ask all of my guests this first question to start, and that is, tell us three things about you. I'm super passionate about what I do in the world. My greatest weakness is my daughter and my relationship with her. I think it's just something that my heart can't handle too well. And I'm actually quite an introvert. Well, I I am so glad that you are here and I am so honored to sit with you and to be able to share your teachings with my community and with everyone listening today. And also what a gift your daughter is to be able to also help you do this work. And I want to start by sharing something that you had said recently, which is the parent-child relationship is the hardest of our life. Yeah, because, you know, and this is of course not negating the, the challenges of other relationships, but the reason why I can say that is because you are there from the start and you're kind of going to have to stay there till the end. So this is not a relationship where you can blame the other one's parents because you are the parent. (laughs) You can't dump and run. You can't say this is a season in my life, a chapter that's, you know, wonderful and over. This is interminable. It's, It's for the rest of your life. So you're kind of forced to confront 
your own baggage. You're, you're, you're forced to look in the mirror more than you are forced to in other relationships. You know, in other yes. relationships, you have a choice. Here you will be confronted with your demons like nowhere else. Of course, you can choose to not look in the mirror too, just yes. like you could with other relationships, but there's less wiggle room here. Yes, absolutely. Because there's someone outside of our control in some way. We don't get to control ending the relationship, right? If our partners are no longer communicating in the way we want to or giving us what we need, we can end that relationship. Okay. We don't do that with our children. Yeah. I used to think that the relationship with my husband was the hardest one, right? You're bringing two adults together. I can't change anything about him. We can influence each other. And then my children came along and I, <laughs> I can appreciate that. Why? is that why do we struggle so much with this parent-child relationship you know think about it the relationship with our adult partners there is an understanding implicit as it may be that we can't really control them mm. that at the end of the day they are adults and they keep us on our toes in a way because it's adult to adult right so of course, there are unequal dynamics and of course, there are power hierarchies. But for the most part, you know you're dealing with an adult that you can't really control too much. You can try, but not too much. Now with children, it's really tricky because on one hand, you have to be in charge. You have to call the shots, at least while they're young. And you have to kind of be commander in chief. Mm. But you at the same time learn very quickly that control is an illusion. So at least with the adult relationship, it's a given. You understand that intellectually, emotionally, and psychologically, and try as you may, you don't pull too many punches there. But with the child, it's really confusing. You are meant to be in control, but you can't have any control. So right here in this very nuanced paradox lies a tremendous potential for spiritual growth. You know, in, in meditation, they teach that, you know, while you may have thought after thought and you can't control the thoughts, you can't control the thinking. So it's kind of like that. You're like, damn, I can't control these thoughts. You can't <laughs> control your children, but you can control your thinking around them. And that's where consciousness comes about and such potential for uh, growing. And also we identify more, I think, as a parent, especially if you're a biological mother, then you do identify with almost anything else because they mm -hmm. grow inside you. I think that biological component and even if you haven't biologically given birth, that identification really ensnares your ego and your ego can run amok because you identify these are my children. So just there, because the ego is running wild and crazy, you paradoxically and ironically also have the potential to release your ego. By acknowledging that we can't control this and that it's not, in a way, it's not us as in our worthiness, right? We have to show up at a place of already being worthy. Yes. But if we haven't come to that place, all of these things are pointed back to us, aren't they? 
It's reflected and back to every us. single limitation of your child uh, will be felt as a personal affront and a personal attack because of our identification with this child. Mm-hmm. So all our work becomes about disidentifying with the role of parent and entering this real deep grounded sense of well-being in our own essence. So we're not pulling from this relationship to create a sense of worth. We're not dragging our children down with every life experience they have because we're making it about us. But most of us make it about us. I mean, I've had parents come to me telling me they will not let their kid apply to a college outside a certain radius because they cannot live without that identified role. So in many ways, we control our children. We micromanage them. We overindulge them, overdo it, over helicopter them because we identify with that role so much and we draw our sense of worth through that role. Have you by chance, and perhaps not, we've just been watching it, uh, Little Fires Everywhere with Reese Witherspoon? Yeah, I don't, I haven't watched it, now. It, it is for the for the listeners. It is a great great um, mini series. I think it's seven episodes to demonstrate that reflection back to us from our children. She has four children. She views her oldest as perfect. And in the last episode, the oldest is yelling, I don't want to be perfect anymore. I'm not perfect. And her mother says, yes, you are. And then the youngest, she, the mother says she didn't want her and is trying to shape her into wearing dresses and to be a certain way in family photos. And you can just see this mirroring back and forth and how much the mother hasn't done her own work in the family. But, you know, it it was quite serendipitous for this to happen last night. I was putting my four-year-old to bed. She, she's very persistent and it bumps up against my impatience and persistence as well. And we just had a, a bit of a tough two weeks. We had to switch to last minute online schooling again. The kids were not happy about this. We didn't know when they would be going back. Emotions were high. We've been working longer hours at night, earlier in the morning. And so last night after having woken up early, I wanted to get to bed. And my daughter, we normally give her this 10 minute play period in her bedroom by herself. And she didn't want it. And she, I could just feel her upping the ante. I don't want it. I want you to put me to bed now. I want you to rub my back now. And I yelled. And it was just one of those moments where I could see the perfect storm coming in. My ego wants to show up here and say, well, I don't yell that often. We'll tuck that to the side. I, I stayed with her. I repaired it. I listened to it. But, you know, I think this is a good entry point into how should we approach these kinds of moments as parents, because this old part of me used to come into it and say, you shouldn't do that. How could you do that? What kind of parent are you? Do better, be better. Right, right. And we can say those things, but not with a harsh inner critic. Mm -hmm. We can say those things with encouragement and compassion because we are running dry, you know, we're exhausted. It is not easy, especially with the pandemic and you know, we are driven women and we're trying to do this and we're trying to do that. Even if we're not working outside the house, we're more driven than say our parents were. And so with that drive comes more pressure, comes more exhaustion. So self-care, self-compassion, we hear about this all the time, but few of us implement it. And anyway, after eight o'clock, we need to be on guard 
because you know it's the witching hour we can like lose our shit I remember yes. I used to be so amazing till nine o'clock and then like one minute after nine I, I then I became worse than I wish I'd been bad all day because that would have been better because I was like so Jekyll and Hyde that my kid was more terrified right because it, it can was, go from this like I'm holding it I'm holding it I'm holding and then it. it's like I just needed the space yeah. And, yes. And they keep pushing, pushing, pushing because they right. don't want to go to bed and we're exhausted. But the, the point is this, it's because it's not because they're pushing us. It's because we are already running on empty. And I realized that I had been faking it, you know, I'm, I, because I remember rationalizing and I'm sure many mothers do this. I was so good. I was being so lovely. I read the 40th book and I sung the 20th song and this kid just doesn't let go. And and then I lost my shit. Right. No, but we were, I, I realized that I was violating my boundaries after song number two. I was creating the conditions for me to lose my shit after song number two. But because I didn't know how to create right, appropriate, compassionate boundaries, I, I ran into empty and then we both suffered. So really mothers who want to do it all, especially need to really learn to listen to their bodies, learn to say no uh, more compassionately rather than waiting for the crazy no where you're acting like a lunatic and really build in periods of solace and stillness in their day because then by the time night comes you become a person who's unrecognizable to yourself it's really interesting to hear you that to hear, hear that from you because that there's this piece here where I'll, I'll do the work I'm in the drive I'm in the work mode okay we'll do this stretch and then I will get home and I know many people can relate to this I get home and I say okay I'm on then I will be on because I was away for all this time at work so now I have to be on for all of this with my kids but it is the, I'm on empty. There's nothing left. And so I try and try and you push through and then bam, that happens. Correct. And then at some point at night, you know, when you're being pushed, the, the part of you that's an inner child that says, what about me? Kicks mm. it. And then you become the toddler. And then you're like, oh my goodness, how did I go from a sane person to a raging toddler in, in one minute? It's because the toddler was stomping its feet all day long saying, see me, see me, see me. But we kept, you know, pretending it didn't exist. And then finally, our four-year-old can throw us over the cliff, you know? That inner child for ourselves, right? That says, see me, here's what I need. Can you offer me that voice of self-compassion, of kindness? Yes, yes. Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. 
and you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. And, and you know, with kids, it's the sense sometimes that nothing we do seems to work. Right. Mm-hmm. We've done this. We've done that. We've given the good mac and cheese. We give them the extra chocolate and they're still in a bad mood because that's their right. But yeah. because we are seeking control and we're seeking reprieve because we are running on empty when they don't abide by us after time number 50, our inner child cannot handle the rejection, cannot handle the futility because we have an agenda. So when the agenda doesn't come true after 20 times, that's it. We we got our rope has burned out. So uh paying attention to this, being aware of this inner dynamic all through the day is so important. I know so many people can relate to that because I get stuck in that agenda as well. The okay, I'm going to give this to you and then we'll be okay. And you'll be okay for some time. And right. and the same thing of you know, I had combed my daughter's hair last night. So I thought, okay, we're combing your hair now. So then I will go get my 10 minutes while you, right? But it was the pushing and pushing. And, and I know one of the biggest adjustments for us as a, as a parenting team is that we have tried really hard to accept all feelings that show up. That just like, and my son used to wake up and I would just call him this grumpy bear. And he would just, you know, just for no reason. He would just walk out of his room. He would have a mood. He would flop on the chair and we knew not to, to do anything with that. We would just kind of let him wake up and join the family as is. And initially I had that urge though, to get him to be happy, be happy. It's a great day. Look at the sun. (laughs) Right. Right. 
And it removed the pressure from us when we were both able to say, all feelings are okay. You get to have your bad day. You get to be upset when you have this for dinner as if how dare we serve you this dinner, (laughs) right? Correct. Because you see, because we identified with that role and we attached to it for our sense of worth, we want our children to give us feedback all the time that improves our sense of worth and significance Mm -hmm. and effectiveness. And when they're grumpy, when we've just done so much for them, that is an attack on our worth. And we feel like, what the F? I just did all this for you. Even though our kid is two years old, we're like, do you know what I sacrificed for you? (laughs) And because we are doing this with an agenda. And what is the agenda? See me, love me, tell me I'm amazing, right? And that's all we want, right? We didn't have the child to be their slave. We had the child so they could be our slave. And so we're both trying to get the other's attention. The kid is like wanting you to see them. You are wanting them to see you. And then it comes down to, well, who has the onus and the burden to carry the psychological stability? Sadly, it's the parent. So that's where conscious parenting comes in. And that's why I write the books I do is to help parents understand that they bear the onus to see themselves and their kids don't bear the onus to see them. And so when we see ourselves and we come into a sense of wholeness, only then can we project this back onto the kid and see them in their wholeness. Uh That's a really important piece here, that it is not us trying to control our kids. So this is what... We need to see. We need to see ourselves first. And we need to be aware of that implicit agenda. And the implicit agenda is, can you please love me? Can you please tell me I'm the best parent on earth? Can you please make me feel good? Can you please do well in school so I feel significant? Can you please fulfill my fantasies? This is the implicit agenda. You know, when I began to become aware of my agenda, that I just wanted my daughter to be like my grateful slave, you know, and just be so happy that she was born to me and thank me every minute. And I realized, oh, that's why I became a parent. And when I wasn't getting it, I was getting upset with her till I discovered this implicit agenda. You know, I wanted her to do well at school, mainly to make me feel good. I wanted her to be a star this and a star that. So I could feel like I... I was worthy, right? I produced this kid, so that means I must be worthy. And many parents push their children to succeed implicitly or explicitly out of their own agenda of lack and needing completion within themselves. And it's really hard for parents to own this. They're like, no, my kid likes to be a star. Uh, You know, I don't know about that. You know, part of it is the parent subtly pushing the kid to fulfill their own fantasy. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. That implicit agenda is such a good starting place to go into. What, what is it that we really are hoping for that we get from our kids? And then how do we start to go inwards to do that work on our own? I can even see how this shows up with couples mm-hmm. that one of the most common barriers that I hear from the women specifically, my community is mostly women, is that they say, I'm not sharing my feelings and needs anymore. Or when they do, they go into this angry and raging space to try to be heard. And it's interesting because I do see underneath that there is that agenda with our partners. Love me, see me, am I okay? And of course, from our attachment perspective, we do need to have our secure bases, but are we looking for our partners to only fulfill our worth 
and instead shifting that into our work first before finding a partner who can fill that up. Yeah, I mean, the amount of women I'm sure you've met who are using their relationship as the the function that they need to perform for themselves. And men are too. Men are just more disconnected typically. And I don't mean to be stereotypical. I'm just talking about the the typical cisgendered couple. But I'm talking about, and what we are talking about here is how do we fulfill that function for ourselves? So then what our children give us or what our partners give us is beautiful, but it's in addition to all the daily worth that we're giving to ourselves. You know, no one can complete us. No one can fulfill us. And that's a sobering reality. You know, child number one, two, three, no amount of cars in your driveway, no amount of jewelry or the corner office or the great career or the Grammy award is going to fulfill you. And people who become successful realize that, right? They're like, this is not filling me up. But till you become that, you think that worth and fulfillment is lying on the other side. So you get married, so you have children, so you have a career, but it never comes from the outside. It comes from your own relationship to yourself in the present moment. And so it is with with children, you know, and if we use that relationship as the function to fulfill us, then we're going to ruin our children. We're going to deplete them of their right to live their own destiny. Yes, that is where I find our generation is really shifting in terms of how we're parenting, in terms of how we're showing up and being able to acknowledge that our children are not there to meet our implicit agenda. Mm-hmm. What would you say for people who, who maybe struggle to see that implicit agenda? Where should they start? Yeah, it takes a high degree of self-awareness. So typically people don't see it until the kid pushes back until they are disconnected from their kid, the kid has red flag behavior, then they're like, oh, or when they lose their shit, right? If they're willing to say, oh my goodness, I lost my shit, I need to deconstruct why, then they can, then with the help of a therapist, they can, you know, be led to, well, what were you expecting? You know, you know, so for you, Tracy, you began yelling because you had an implicit agenda. What were you expecting? You were expecting that because you did everything right, she would fall into line and be docile and compliant. And when she wasn't, it made you feel helpless and upset and frustrated. Like you didn't have a voice. So then you needed to have a voice. So uh-huh. you yelled, you see? So yeah. a therapist can, or a coach or a seasoned ex- expert can help you deconstruct your last meltdown and show you that there was a huge egoic agenda driving it. Yeah, absolutely. And what are my actions leading up to that, right? In the sense of, okay, so what do my boundaries look like? What are my choices leading into that? And how can I, how can I do that differently? Mm-hmm. One of the most common things that come up for parents or for the women, again, that I work with is how do I get my partner to do this work? And you and I talked about this a little bit in the Facebook room, but we need to talk about it here as well. How do you, yeah, yeah what do you? <laughs> we, we beg, we barter sex. We do, we, no, I'm kidding. We, it's very hard. It's very, very hard. And I tell women or the one who is the greatest seeker that you can't wait for the other one to begin doing this work. You cannot wait for permission or for camaraderie or partnership. You have to start doing the work because one conscious parent is better than zero. Mm-hmm. However, 
it does create a problem in the house. It's better in a way for both to be asleep because at least they're both on the same page. And when one wakes up and the other doesn't, it's extremely difficult. Now it creates a lot of problems, you know, um, and it, it becomes a marital problem. What was a parenting problem becomes a marital problem or rather the marital problem becomes a parenting problem, whichever way you want to look at it. So what do you do? You try, you negotiate, you hope that the person can see the wisdom of what you're trying. But if not, now we have a problem. Now we have a relationship issue and uh, we have to work on it at a relational level, right? Um, why is your partner not agreeing? What is threatening to them? What about their past is making them feel inadequate that they need to use control and power and tyranny? Um, you begin to see your partner in new ways. You know, people think children bring people together. No, it it's it takes tears them apart for the most part. Uh, hey, and to normalize that, that the distress, the research shows that it's seven years of that dip in marital satisfaction in your relationship. Because the, the woman is burnt out, her body's a wreck, she's probably lactating and dripping all over the place. She doesn't want another mouth on her boobs, so to speak. She doesn't want to feed another mouth. The okay. man is feeling tired and neglected. He's finding his place. She's finding her place. Children, you know, under seven are a raging mess. So it's it's chaos all over the, the place. And the problem is that we're raising these children alone. We're not raising them in community. Right. Yes. And we are, we are, we're exhausted. We're really, the modern woman especially has put so much on her plate. Uh, you know, for my daughter's first 10 years, I was doing a PhD and working and raising her. And I even, you know, I, I remember being 25 pounds overweight and I remember having to decide, okay, you're going to have to just stay overweight for another 10 years because you can't do it all. Uh -huh. so something had to go and that was the most dispensable one. So I just happily kept eating for the next 10 years because I had no energy nor the time to yeah. on top of what I was doing, be skinny, you know? And right. so we women put so much pressure on ourselves and we can't do it all. We really can't do it all. I think that is an important release for people to acknowledge that we, we keep being sold this ticket or this show that, we can be perfect. We can get it right. You can have all of the things if you just. It's such a toxic message mm -hmm. that you can do it all because that, you know, we're such foolish followers in some way. We're like, oh, yeah, she has a career. I should have a career. Oh, she gardens. I should garden. Oh, she makes her homemade cookies. I should. Oh, she gives her husband a massage every day. I should do that, too. She, you know, eats organic food and has an organic garden. Let me do that, too. I mean, are we nuts? We cannot do everything. <laughs> You know, I look at those women who do it all, who, in my opinion, do it all. I want to copy them because I'm a follower, right? We women have also been raised uh -huh. to, to kind of please and to try our best. So the definition of caregiver and mother has now become corporate businesswoman, entrepreneur, social media, you know, you know, influencer. Yes. Like, what are, what are we expecting from ourselves? We've gone crazy friend curator right you have yeah. to make sure you make Everything. the mom friends to get yes. the kid friends for the kids <laughs> no, we cannot. so I tell women repeatedly you cannot do it all you could do it all within a hundred year lifespan mm -hmm. but you're not doing it all today so right. today think of the three main things you have to do to survive and so that your children can go to bed with you know a, a clean bottom and just less tears and less yelling and that's your goal especially mm -hmm. when you become a mother so, you know, you can barely have a shower in peace 
why are we trying to put all this pressure on ourselves? Yes. Yeah. It, it is so important to be able to remove those things and to make, again, those conscious choices, the wise decisions, um, being able to say, what is most important to me right now? I can't have it all. How can I look at like how can I be well here and nurture what's important and feel significant the other day I had a a mother I promise you of four children who was railing against herself because she didn't have a career I said but you do have a career that is your career she has four children she has a career I said with one child I thought I had a fabulous career of being a mother so you know we don't realize how much motherhood drains us and how we need to treat it as sacred and give ourselves the room and the space to enjoy it. So we don't have to drive ourselves. And then we drive our kids crazy because then we're taking them from activity to activity so that we can work while they're at the activity. And it's all convoluted. You know, this whole world that we've created of excessive doing and achieving is driving our children crazy too. Yes. Yes. It's been one of the, for, for us in particular, a gift from the pandemic. And yes. we're very privileged to be able to say that, yes. uh, but to be able to say, okay, so we're changing how we're doing things because before the pandemic started, we were sometimes ships passing in the night. My husband worked on weekends. So I was sole parent on the weekend. And then we would maybe have some time on Monday, but then I would pop into work and the daycare pickups, drop-offs and the schooling And then we were forced to slow down and just be, which has been so lovely. And the bond I have seen with my children from from that just being space. Yeah, so nice to not have to run to dance and then run to violin and then run to soccer. What a great thing. You're like, oh, we can just sit here. Yeah, we're teaching them to just be. Lego's yeah. my thing. We're we're busy doing Legos, but <laughs> yeah, but and but just you, playing to focus on the essentials, and you begin to realize that your life was filled with all these non-essentials that you can now really let go of. You know, like mm-hmm. for women, you know, all the clothes we used to wear. Don't you find yourself just living in the same four t-shirts and pants? Oh yes, <laughs> what a lovely thing that is. You know, it, it's incredibly lovely to be wearing the same black sweater every I day. It doesn't matter. And so in a way it's helped us orient ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I hear from people worrying. And again, even as I say that question, worrying, right? There's our mind showing up rather than being present, but people worry, am I, am I going so far in my healing journey that then I'm still screwing up my children? And there's the other fear that shows up that I'm making it worse for them. I'm trying to break intergenerational trauma and trying to break these cycles, but now I'm worried I'm doing something harmful to them. Yeah, you know, much of our worry comes from uh, a misplaced delusion of our control, our sense of control. So yeah, you know, the fact that we think we we shouldn't mess our kids up is an illusion. Uh, We are going to mess our kids up. Now, can we ever know the degree to which? We don't. So we have to just let it go. It's already messed up. So there's no way that they're not going to be suffering from some emotional problem. Now, the degree to which varies with each person and depending on their life circumstance. But I don't even think one day that I haven't messed up my kid. Like I 100%, even if she says no, I'm going to tell her, no, you're messed up because of it. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I don't think I messed up. I'm like, well, whatever you're messed up in, it's because of me. Because mm-hmm. I've definitely con- contributed because there's no way not to. So release the pressure of perfection. And then, you know, you can only do the best you can do knowing what, what you know. Mm-hmm. So try to live authentically and you're going to hurt people. I've hurt my daughter by my choices. And she's told me that. And I felt guilty, but, you know, at some point you have to live your life too, and you have to be authentic. So, you know, sometimes you're going to be tired, Tracy, and your daughter's going to say, you hurt my feelings. You know, you never read to me from Monday to Fridays. You only read to me on Saturday. And you're going to, one day you, she's 60 years old, taking you to therapy. And then you're going to have to tell her, Hey, I'm sorry. Okay. I was trying to earn a living. I was trying to do all these things. I'm sorry. I damaged you for life. If you don't need to feel like you're perfect, then you're going to be okay with ruining it and messing it up and screwing your kids up. And that then allows you to actually be more compassionate with yourself and compassionate with your children and therefore less stressed out. And then Mm -hmm. you'll automatically mess up less. You know, much of our stress comes from stress. Yes. Being able to release that. I, I often joke and say that I already know my children will be in therapy because therapy is fantastic. And it's great to have the objective other and to work through these things. Why is that a bad thing? Yeah. It's not. Right. Suddenly only our children will have no pain. It's, it's, it's our delusion of superiority. No, our children are just like other people and they Mm -hmm. will also be weak and fragile and suffer. And what's wrong with that? We've suffered. They can suffer. Now we don't want to unconsciously inflict unnecessary suffering and that's why we do the work we do we work on our inner self so that we don't unnecessary you know inflict unnecessary suffering onto them I'm just so grateful that we've had this chance to sit and have this conversation Dr. Shefali I so appreciate what you've highlighted today talking about the implicit agenda being able to acknowledge that pain is part of life our children will feel pain we will feel pain we can release that this needing for other people whether it's our partner or our children to give us our worth thank you so much for sharing this here with me absolutely where can people find you and what do you have on the go right now well i have lots of amazing courses So I have a Conscious Parenting 2.0 method course that they can buy. It's a whole method I've developed for parents. Um, I have so many courses. They can go to my website at drshefali.com or find me on Instagram. And I have a new book coming out next year. I have a coaching institute where I coach people to do the work that I do with parents. So if you're looking for a new career or new meaning or become a better parent yourself, then take the coaching program because then, then you can coach yourself into a greater degree of consciousness so that the institute opens twice a year so people can always apply and become a conscious parenting coach that's great i will put all of the links in the show notes thank you so much for your time today thank you tracy thank you for listening in to today's episode i wanted to wrap up with two questions for you to take forward Dr. Shefali speaks about our implicit agendas as parents. I know for me, one of those agendas has been to have reflected back to me that I am worthy and I am good enough. So when my children are happy or when they're well-mannered in public or a friend says, oh, your child is so, I feel good inside. But the separation between my worth and my children is really important. We cannot get our worth from other people. 
And I think that was really highlighted by Dr. Shefali today. So I want to encourage you with two questions to explore over the next week. One, if I released the need to be a perfect parent, what would I have more space to be doing? How would I feel and how would I think? And then two, what is being reflected back to me today? What am I trying to get from my child that isn't their work to be doing? If you found yourself wondering how you might get on the same page with your partner during this episode, join me in my online program, Be Connected. In this program, I teach you how to communicate and strengthen your connection with your partner because the reality is nobody teaches us how to communicate, how to share our feelings and needs and set boundaries. My program gives you 12 core lessons plus masterclasses to help you learn the skills and tools that I teach my clients in my office every single day. There is also a monthly Q&A session with me me where I answer your questions plus weekly emails to keep you on track with small exercises to help you build your connection and so much more. Visit me at drtracyd.mykajabi.com forward slash join or the link is in the show notes. Remember this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. Until next time, take good care of you and remember you are right where you need to be. What's up guys, I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love bombed, married and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.
Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. Until next time, take good care of you and remember you are right where you need to be.